Amen. We've been talking about returning to faith, and the, the goal has been to enable you as a believer to come out of these sessions and live your life in such a way that you know what it means to walk by faith. Four times in the Bible, the scripture says, the just shall live by, by what? Faith. They'll be living by what? By faith. That means everything we do, we're supposed to be living by faith. Sometimes spiritual people think, well, when it comes to the Bible and church and services and ministry, by faith. No, everything you do, you should be doing by faith. And the Bible tells us we walk by faith and not by sight, which means we don't let the five senses rule our lives. It's not what our, our eyes will say or ears will hear or what we feel. It's what did God say? That's the essence of walking in faith. Now, the specifics or the mechanics of walking in faith, we want you to understand how to take your faith and use it as a tool to produce in your life and make it as simple as possible for everybody to grasp and understand. And so the first part of that or component of walking by faith is hearing. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing, hearing and hearing by the Word of God. There's not going to be any faith if we're not sitting under the anointed Word of God with anointed you know, people that proclaim and teach and preach the Word. If we're not in the Word, we're not under the Word, we're not going to hear anything, faith's not going to come. But faith alone is not enough. We have to actually believe what we hear. You say that a lot of people hear but not believe. Churches are filled with people that hear but not believe. It's a conscious decision or choice to believe what God said about that matter in your life. And then we go from believing to actually saying or agreeing or in Bible talk, confessing to agree with what God said about that matter. So we've heard and we believe and then we say, but it doesn't stop with saying. The scripture teaches that we have to go on and actually do the word because if we're hearers only, we're deceiving ourselves. Now watch this. It's in the doing that the power that is present in the Word of God to bring it to pass, bring itself to pass, that power is released in the doing. Look at somebody and tell them it's in the do. Come on, shout it out everybody. It's in the do. It's not in the hearing alone. It's not in the believing alone. It's not in the saying alone. It's in the what? It's in the doing. You'll find out all through Scripture when somebody gets some kind of a directive from God, when somebody gets some kind of a command from God and they actually step out and do it, power is released. Go wash in the pool and guess what happened? He did, went home seen. Stretch out your hand and the Bible says the man with the withered hand was instantly healed. Go show yourselves to the priests and when they did, they began to what? go out in that direction and they were healed. It matters that we not just hear, but that we do what the Word of God says. And under this particular category of, of the do or doing what God says is a particular concept of foundations. We taught you briefly, and this was just an introduction, that we're supposed to do the foundations in our lives. These are things that are plainly written in the Word of God. These are things that we're prescribed to do. These are things that are about disciplines and walking with God with faithfulness. Then there are convictions. That's when the Spirit of God reminds you, amen, <laughs> That uh, you might be doing something wrong. I mean, that's not negative. Turn to somebody and tell them if you get convicted, that's not negative. Convicted for what you're doing or convicted for what you're not doing. Because there's some things that we might be doing we shouldn't be. And some things that we're not doing that God has already told us we should be doing. And thank God for the Holy Ghost. The Bible tells us he convicts the world of sin and Christians are not exempt from conviction. And that teaching that says that once Christians repent and give their lives to Christ, they don't need to repent anymore. They won't be convicted anymore. They have no need to deal with that. Well, that's just a lie from the pit of hell. Bible, in fact, tells us to confess our faults or sins one to another. Pray for one another that you might be healed. 
He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. What? If we confess our sins. And so we understand that is not biblical at the same time. It may not be just what you're doing that's wrong, but something that you're not doing that you should be doing. So there's foundations, say that would be foundations, and convictions. And number three, directives. This is you just minding your business, seeking God, walking with God, and he begins to tell you he needs you to do something. It could be go across town and pray for somebody, pick up the phone. It could be start a ministry in your life. It could be like Jonah, go to preach to Nineveh. Whatever it is, we need to be prepared to do what the Lord tells us to do. You're not going to find the directives in the Word of God with your name on them, but the directive you get will be consistent with Scripture. Can I have a better amen than that? If a directive contradicts the Scripture, you know it's not from God. But your directives for your life are not going to be in that Word specifically with your name on them, but it will line up with Scripture. It's important to understand this. Say it, foundations, convictions, sitting in foundations, convictions, and directives. So what we're going to do today is just drill down a little bit more in the area of foundations. Now, what is a foundation? That's the thing that's placed steady and fixed before you do any building in terms of natural things. Listen to the scripture. We have to understand that our structure must be the plain teachings of the word of God. Our foundation ultimately is Christ and God and his word are what? They are one. Paul said it like this, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians 3.11. Then in Ephesians 2.20, Together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. Do you agree with that today? So there's a foundation that you're going to build your Christian life off of. And if this is not done... I will say not only will you not pay attention to convictions and directives, you know, you're going to have a hard time hearing God in general if you're not committed to doing the foundations. And I'm just going to be very blunt with you. As I look across the United States and look across the condition of the church in America, I see something and I see that there are many who are not practicing the foundations. And that's not only affecting them, but it's affecting the health of the church in general in the United States. So we're going we're gonna to make up our mind today, church, that we're going to do the foundations. Yes. Come on, say, I'm going to do the foundations and the convictions and the directives. It's just a matter of a decision, isn't it? Paul dealt with this foundational issue. He called them elementary principles. If you want to turn to the scriptures in Hebrews chapter 5. And we're going to read from verse 12 through chapter 6, verse 3. This is from the New King James Version. When you got it, say, I've got it. Three of you got it. Four, five, amen. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you've come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, He is yet a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are full age, that is, those who by reason of use have trained their senses to discern both good and evil. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, come on, say it, elementary. Let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. That teaching and concept is elementary. 
and of faith toward God, that's elementary. The doctrine of baptisms, elementary. The laying on of hands, elementary. The resurrection of the dead, elementary. And of eternal judgment, elementary. And this we will do if God permits. How I many you know you should have these things down at some point in your Christian life yes. if you're maturing? Now, to help you out here, uh, you should understand the, the doctrine of baptism. You should understand the doctrines concerning laying on of hands. You should also concern yourself and be, uh, be aware of the doctrine of the judgment to come. Now, why would I bring that up? <clears throat> because there's a massive growing number of people in the body of Christ denying the existence of hell. Which is an agent and a tool, actually, for the enemy. That's where he was destined to go to. But it's like even on the matters of heaven and hell, we have people in the body of Christ who don't have that elementary teaching down yet. The things I've been teaching you about faith, look at somebody and say, elementary. elementary. Come on, shout it out. It's elementary. elementary. Well, if you're not being instructed in these things, you can't be expected to have maturity in those areas. And so the foundations are so critical. They're so important. And I want to spend some time today encouraging you on the foundations of, of your faith. Now, I want to ask you a question. Um, when you're watching say, the, the Super Bowl, or you're watching the World Series, or you're watching Wimbledon, or if you're a golf fan, you're watching the Masters. What are you watching exactly? that You would see people performing at such a high level in their particular field. What you're watching are people who have mastered the fundamentals in their particular sport. Everybody say, the fundamentals. See, we are thinking today as Christians that a special dispensation, if I just had a special revelation, if I just had a special visitation from God, then I could do great things for God. Do you know that if you want to do great things for God and be successful in this Christian life, all you need to do is become a master of the fundamentals. Are you here? I was a competitive swimmer, and so there were certain fundamentals that we had to do. Like, uh, first of all, you need to be able to float. <laughs> It helps to float, amen. Tread water when Timothy was, what, five? I tossed him in the water and told him to tread. And if he treaded for two minutes solid, I gave him $100. Ask him if he tread. He probably thought about going down, but he kept thinking about that $100. And so <laughs> Speaking of that, I saw an ultrasound of the baby. And I'm pretty sure that baby was smiling at Pop Pop in the ultrasound. I'm, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Just for the record, amen. <laughs> Turn to somebody and tell them foundations. But in swimming, you know, uh, learning how to dive correctly so you can enter the water quickly when the gun goes off and correctly. Uh, the stroke itself, the mechanics of the stroke. Uh, learning how to turn, breathing is important. How many know when you're in the water, you need to breathe? <laughs> there's a right way to do it, and there's a wrong way to do it. When I was about eight years old, I had a coach, his name was uh, Bill uh, Livingood, and uh, he was sharp, uh, but I would do this race, breaststroke, and every time I did it, I did something wrong as far as the rules applied. And so when I crawl out of the water, somebody hand me a little white slip. You know what that white slip said? Disqualified. And what we were supposed to do was his rules, take the paper to him so we could discuss it. This happened so much that I eventually just went straight from the pool to the bathroom and flushed him down the toilet. I didn't bother giving them to him anymore because it happened so much. The irony is now U.S. swimming rules have changed and the things they used to you know, throw me out over are all perfectly legal. But back then, they were not. They were fundamentals. 
And until I got the fundamentals down, I was not going to enjoy any kind of success at all. But I made my mind if I was going to. By the time I was nine, I began to qualify for certain races. By the time I was 10 years old, I was Illinois state champion and ranked in the top 10 in the nation. What was the adjustment? The fundamentals. And I am telling you today, there are people in this room that you're just a few fundamentals away from that kind of success in your Christian walk. It's not some 15,000 things you need to do. Just minor adjustments can take you to the next level if you have ears to hear. In football, you know, the skill set's a little bit different, but the principle is the same. Fundamentals. Say it with me. Fundamentals. Uh, you know, in football, you need to be able to throw the football and kick the football. You need to be able to run, you know, and block and, and tackle. And when you do that, you know, perfectly, somebody's going to hire you. Somebody's going to give you a contract and you're going to make a lot of money playing that sport. You, you should because you won't be playing a long time because of the violence involved. Uh, my brother Gary was on a, a, a junior league. And I'll never forget this. Uh, they were playing here in Illinois. Uh, and uh, he, was a, he was defensive, man. And so they were, they were way backed up, you know, close to, to, you know, this other team, back to their own goal line. They're trying to get some space between them and goal line and out. And uh, he intercepts a pass, which is the good part. The bad part is one of the team members on the other side hit him, spun him around. And instead of going to his end zone... He ran all the way down to the other team's end zone where one of them, you could hear the team cheering for him. He thought they were cheering for him. They were saying, turn around, turn around. He ran all the way to the other end zone where another member of that team just tackled him and got a safety. At the end of that year, the coach had some awards to give out and Gary got the Bonehead of the Year award for him. <laughs> Brought in the wrong way. How I many know that's not the way to play that game? That's not the fundamentals. Now, I'm not going to call anybody here a bonehead, but have you been running the wrong way? Are you not keeping the fundamentals of your Christian walk? It's the same thing with basketball. You know how to shoot and you know dribble and, and pass, and you run quite a lot. You can keep those uh, you know fundamentals, and you can become a, a great basketball player. You know, uh, Michael Jordan's coaches told him he'd never be anything. He made up his mind he was going to do great, and he practiced on what? The fundamentals. I mean, he could shoot free throws like no tomorrow. You know, the rest is history, probably the greatest basketball player ever to put shoes on. Uh, he was told it's not going to happen, but he focused on the fundamentals, and great things happened in his life. You know, we have to understand that uh, it's not some great revelation today, and it's not some great visitation. That's all wonderful. We should have those. We should expect those. But it's about making up your mind. You're going to be disciplined to keep fundamentals of the Christian faith and keep them consistently. Can I have an amen today? Amen. Can I have a better amen? amen? The best of the best are the best because they mastered and continue to master the fundamentals. Say it with me again, the fundamentals. Baseball is the same principle. I need to know how to catch the ball. I need to know how to run. I need to know how to hit. I need to know how to, how to throw. Um, my, uh, my dad's cousin, John, he was drafted by the Minnesota Twins organization. He was a great hitter. He could throw the ball. I mean, he was great all around the field. He had one problem is he couldn't run to save his life. And uh, they eventually cut him because he couldn't keep that part of the fundamentals. I just wonder, you know, what's causing you you know, to be less than your best. What fundamental or fundamentals are missing? Look at somebody and say, I'm going to get this. 
Come on, say, let's do the fundamentals and the convictions and the directives of our God. Most Christians are defeated not because of the lack of revelation or experience, but because they're just not mastering the fundamentals. Write this down. It's very simple for you to understand. In athletics, I had a coach, another coach named Bob Steele. He was actually the Southern Illinois University men's coach. And in the summer, he was our coach because we kind of slid into his program to train with the college students, which was a great honor and a great ability for us. And uh, in fact, Bob was just voted in one of the top 100 coaches of all time. Uh, it's a great honor for him. But uh, when we were just uh, little whippersnappers, he came by our YMCA program and he would give us little talks and little spiels to encourage us. And he said, you know, he said, if you have two or three of the following, you'll have some success. If you have all three, you'll have great success in this sport. And he said, what were those? He said, first of all, talent. Amen. Y'all remember Rush Limbaugh? His byline was talent on loan from God. Where did that talent come from? The talent to do certain sports, of course, it does come from God, just like any other kind of talent. But then he said number two is attitude. You have to have a right mental attitude if you're going to accomplish anything in the realm of sports. And then he said you're going to have to have hard work. And if you do that, it's going to equal success. Well, I was around the water long enough to, to see people who, who had a couple of these, but not necessarily the third one. One of my favorite stories to tell you is that... Uh, a kid named Danny was on my team, and we had a dual meet with Belleville, Illinois, Carbondale, Jackson County, YMCA versus Belleville. We're up there near St. Louis, and he's supposed to be jumping off the block and getting into his race. The gun goes off. He's downstairs playing pool. How talented was Danny? Those swimmers were already halfway down the first length when he realized what happened. He came running up there, threw his towel down, put his goggles on, and jumped in, and he still beat everybody in that race. I mean, well, there's some talent there. But unfortunately, he was more interested in doing other things than, than pursuing the ability that God actually gave him. I knew a young, another person who uh, actually came and stayed at our house and trained with us, and I went up to his house as well. Uh, his name is Tommy Jager. You look him up. I think he's a five-time uh, five gold Olympic gold medalist for relays, two-time 50-meter uh, freestyle, and he held the 50-meter freestyle world record for 10 years. Back then, we were just friends, and we were just swimming on the same kind of path. And I watched for years how talented he was, but he wouldn't put any effort into what he was doing. Well, somewhere along the line, by the time he was 10, 11 years old, he decided to get serious. He started swimming for Parkway Swim Club in St. Louis, and uh, the coach was an Olympic uh, uh, bronze medalist herself, and he just went all in. Next thing you know, he starts excelling to the point where he became international champion, part of the International uh, Swimming Hall of Fame in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And now, I believe he is the head coach up at Washington University, uh, head, uh, head swimming coach up there now. What happened was, Danny never got with it, but Tommy did. Turn to somebody and say, don't be a Danny. Don't be a Danny. <laughs> Come on, look at somebody else and say, don't be a Danny. Now, talent plus attitude plus hard work in the sporting world equals success. What about the spiritual world? Write this down and be encouraged by this. It's not talent, but it's grace. It's not so much attitude as the spirit you carry. And it's not so much hard work as it is the fundamentals. So write this down. Grace plus spirit plus the fundamentals equals blessing or the power to succeed. Everybody say that with me. Grace... Plus the, spirit, plus the Spirit, 
plus fundamentals equals the blessing. What do I mean by grace? I mean you were born to be a winner. You were born, the Bible says, of incorruptible seed. 1 Peter 1.23. The, the spirit is the spirit of faith or a spirit that won't quit or a sweet spirit. Say, I have a sweet spirit. Sometimes people don't have a sweet spirit about them. They don't have a good attitude about them, and so they suffer because of it. The fundamentals refer to the things we should be doing by now as Christians after all these years. Come on, say all these years. So when I go over these in a moment, you're going to go, wow, that's a great revelation. No, you're not going to have that response. But you will be able to say and define clearly what does it mean when we say fundamentals. We know we are born to win. We know that we can have a sweet spirit because of Christ. The only question is, will we, like the athlete chooses to work hard, will we on purpose keep the fundamentals or not? That's an individual choice. You know, the reality is you and I are as blessed as we want to be. James tells us if we will not be a hearer only but a doer, we'll be blessed in what we do. Say it, I'm blessed in what I do. That tells me that if I choose to do, I'm setting my own course here. Come on, shout it out. I'm as blessed as I want to be. Why? Because if I'll do the word, I'll be blessed in what I do. Come on, say it, I'll be blessed in what I do. Got some really troubling news this past week. A study was conducted, partly by Pew Research, and it says this, that Christianity in America will be replaced and become a minority religion by the year 2045. Whatever we are doing in America... Let's make it as non-invasive as possible, user-friendly as possible, seeker-friendly as possible. Don't ask people to sign anything, do anything, give anything, you know, all that stuff. It ain't working. Right. Getting people in seats without transforming their lives, it's not working. Right. Among people 30 and under, they're falling into the category of either agnostic or atheist. They claim no religion whatsoever. And here are the actual stats for that. Approximately 90% of Americans <clears throat> identified as Christians in the early 1990s. When? Not that long ago. The study observed that number which includes children, had fallen to only 64% by 2020. The number of people in the U.S. who identify as religiously unaffiliated, the nuns, have skyrocketed from 16% in 2007 to 29% in 2020. Other religions such as Judaism, Islam, Hinduism, or Buddhism accounted approximately 6% in 2020. What they're saying is the massive group that's growing are the nuns. You know why that's happening? The fundamentals are not being practiced. Turn to somebody and tell them, God wants you to be a world-class Christian. That's not going to happen without the fundamentals. What am I mean by that? I, I say fundamentals. Let me just uh, you know, share it with you like this. We have made converts in the American church. We have made church attenders in the American church. 
but we have not made disciples in the American church. What do you mean? A disciple is a self-disciplined learner of the Lord Jesus Christ, but a disciple is also someone who holds to the foundations and fundamentals when they're not being watched. When they walk out the doors of the church every other day, they are keeping the fundamentals. A disciple is very different from just a convert. And an attender is very far from even a convert. We have to make up our mind that uh, we're going to be people that are not just converts or attenders, but disciples by choice. Look at somebody and tell them, be a disciple. This is a James 1.12 from the Amplified. Blessed, favored by God is the man who is steadfast under trial and perseveres when tempted for when he has passed the test and been approved, he'll receive the victorious crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. There's a crown, just like in athletics, there's a crown or some kind of a signal that you want. Uh, I'm pulling for the Cardinals to win another World Series. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Amen. A little faith there. Uh, Charlie's pulling for the White Sox. When donkeys fly, that'll happen. Amen. <laughs> Gary, of course, is a Braves fan. Yes, he is. But watch this. When, uh, when they win, yeah, 50,000 people in the stands, they've already passed the 3 million mark in attendance this year. The only, the only stadium with more attendance is Dodger Stadium in L.A. in the entire country. Let's say that they win the World Series. All those 50,000 people can be cheering, even wear red, but guess what? They didn't do it. They go around saying, we won. We didn't do anything. The people on that bench and on the field, they won. And you know what they'll get? They'll get a beautiful World Series ring with stones in it, designed just for them. But the people in the stands don't get that. Next year, they'll have the opportunity to get a replica made in China. But they don't get the real deal. There's an award for that, but there's also an award for you and for me for living this life. Say it with me, the crown of life. You got to love uh, Queen Elizabeth, who was very well known to say that I want to be here when the Lord returns. I want to I be on this earth when he raptures the church. And she was asked why. She said, because I want to take my crown and lay it down at his feet. The real deal. The real deal. That's rare in any nation to have somebody all her life serve the Lord so faithfully. And how many praying for that group, praying for that country, praying for that nation? God's not done with them. Amen. Amen. But I want to just tell you that, uh, you know, there is there's a benefit to doing this. In this life and in the life to come. But your success on earth is going to be entirely based on what you do with those fundamentals. Come on, say it with me, the fundamentals. fundamentals. Say it again, the fundamentals. fundamentals. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on these, but I want you to, to hear that, to be reminded of what these actually are. If you'll keep these, you're going to do real well. And uh, nobody from church is going to say, well, you, you're missing number four, you need to do number six. This is entirely up to you what you do with it. You know, when you get a bunch of athletes together, 
uh, they can either become great or not. Say it with me. I'm believing to do great things in these end times in Jesus' name. Come on, shout it out. Do the fundamentals. Say it again. Do the fundamentals. We need to be more than a convert. And you know, going back to Hebrews again, the thought is the apostle that, uh, that wrote this under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost is like, you know, we should be further down the road than this. Why do we have to go back and talk about the elementary principles all over again? Why? Because they're not being done. Because Americans have given themselves permissions, permission not to do the foundations. I'm born again, God loves me, I'm a good person, whatever. No, you need to make sure you're doing these for yourself and for those that are watching you. Those that are 30 and under, especially the kids growing up, they can either turn this nation around or help us lose it forever. They need to see this generation living out these foundations. Number one, every believer should pray. Great revelation. So how do you do this? So complicated. Everybody say it with me. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord, my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord, my soul to take. How many of you taught that when you were little? Amen. And, and this great prayer, God is good. God is great. Let us thank him for our food. Amen. And then my, my personal favorite is, this is the church. This is the steeple. Open the doors and see all the people. You see how deep my religious training goes. <laughs> so complicated. Oh, it is just talking to the Lord. And taking time every single week to spend time with Him, to commune with Him, to speak with Him. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a foundational thing. But if you ask the average American if they pray or how much they pray, little to none. Do they confess Christ? Yes. Do they go into heaven? Yes. But are they... You know, helping the church evangelize the lost, or are they just there taking up space, basically? It's not about uh, knowing we should pray. It's about doing what? Doing the fundamentals. Personally, corporately, grab one of those spots on the first Wednesday of the month. Be involved in that. Be involved in small groups. Be in a prayer of agreement when people have different needs in life. You know, anywhere you can, be a person of prayer. Come on, say it. It's foundational. <laughs> Number two, every believer should meditate the Bible. Every believer should be in the Word of God. Amen. Not agree that, yep, we ought to be in the Word, but actually get in the Word. Go over to Psalm 1 for just a moment. Just to remind yourself of what a tremendous... Benefit comes from doing this. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, known his law. He meditates what? Day and night. How many know this is a doer? Amen. 
you know, that the average Christian goes to church. If they go to a Bible-believing church, then the only time they ever open up that Bible and read it is when they're going along with the preacher. And you'd be amazed how many people do not go to Bible-believing churches. The Bible is not at the forefront of what they do, so they don't even get it sometimes even in church. Look at somebody and tell them, you don't need Reader's Digest, you need the authoritative Word of God in your life. Can I have an amen? amen. He meditates day and night. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on His law He meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever He does... Prosperous, and you keep the foundations of being a meditator of the Word of God, it's going to produce good success in your life. So, amen. So let me help you out here. Every day, the foundation, you should get into the Word of God. So here you go. You open up the Word and start reading. Start thinking about it. Start applying it. Take notes. Memorize it. Think about what you're actually reading. Apply it to your life every single day. Amen. Turn to somebody and tell them it's not rocket science. But it's the fundamentals. I, I know, but I don't have time for that. and It's kind of boring. Well, you know what? Uh, it may seem like that, but it's always in the fundamentals that leads someone to success. But Michael Jordan got tired of you know, shooting free throws for hours on end. But became a great player because of it. Amen? Well, where did, you, where did you hear that you had to actually want to do something or even enjoy doing something that you needed to do it? Some days you won't. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm preaching better than y'all staring at me right now. That's why they're called spiritual disciplines. They're not appealing to your emotions and to your joy, to your victory, to whatever you think you're supposed to get out of it. We understand these are foundational. They are, in fact, disciplines. Say it, I pray. I read. I meditate. I'm a doer of what the Word says. Foundations. What should you do with this? Walk out here, make up your mind, you're going to start praying. Walk out here, make up your mind, you're going to read the Word like you never have before. Only you can do that. Amen. Number three, every believer should serve. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Mark 10, 45. Everybody should be doing something. Amen. That's our example, but that's also our command. He gave pastors and prophets, amen, apostles, evangelists, and teachers for the work of the ministry to equip those who would do the actual service for the perfecting of the saints, amen. As you do, as everybody does their part, the body actually grows, the scripture teaches. But some people just think, well, I, that's not for me. It is a foundational practice for every believer to do something. Yes. Let me just explain, uh, aside from the practical part of you contributing something that makes something happen in a local church, when you do something in His name, the anointing of God flows through you and touches other lives. But the anointing never just flows through you without touching the person that flows through. Some Christians live their lives and never having a sense that the anointing is flowing through them because they won't do anything. I'm too busy. I can't do that. 
And Kelly ran into somebody that attended this church for a while years back, and I think he's involved with, with TVA at the time, and, and Kelly just said, hey, we got this going on. Would you like to be a part of it? No, we're, we're too busy. We work full time. We can't do anything. We can't serve in the church. I'm like, that's not an issue, whether you're busy. I'm too young. I'm too busy. I'm too old. Let me help you out here. You're too disobedient. My niece was real small, Rachel. She'd hear Ben, her father, the pastor, talking about obedience and rebellion, and somehow in her mind, <laughs> she merged those words into a new word called robedient. <laughs> Look at somebody and say, don't be robedient. <laughs> I know of an event coming up in November that everybody can be a part of. We'll find something for you to do. That's a good place for a good corporate amen. Yes, it is. Amen. Praise God. But long after the fall festival is done, we've got to make sure that we're engaged. Amen. I mean, think about it. If I know how to catch a ball and throw a ball in baseball, and I am the best fielder in the history of the game, but I can't hit that ball to save my life? Are they going to keep me? Nope. Well, if you're the Cubs, but other than that. <laughs> no, they're not going to keep you. It's the weakest link. And what is the weakest link possibly in your life? It, it could be service. Number four, every believer should give. Amen. 2 Corinthians tells us, excel in this grace of giving, which means your time, your talent, and your treasure. Shout it out, my time, my, time. my, talent, my talent, and my treasure. I should be giving it to whom? To the Lord. But for some people, this is their, their, their missing link. They're, they still don't understand the value and the importance of being a giver in this life. A lot of people are just uh, petrified, confused about the whole concept, uh, worshiping money and material. They just don't have an understanding that uh, we're called to be stewards. We're called to be conduits. Uh, look at somebody and say, it's not yours. I know the first thing dime every dollar is God, you know, but the rest is mine. No, it's not. Turn to somebody and tell them, you're flat broke. It's all his. <laughs> um. Just to, to illustrate this, you know, we were recently at a restaurant and uh, a pastor from a neighboring town that uh, I knew, he didn't see me, but the Lord wanted him to be blessed that day. He came with, with two friends and they were sitting down. Um, I, I couldn't see who he was with, but I saw that it was him and just wanted to be a blessing to him. Uh, and this is the first time this has ever happened to me. So this was a new experience. The server came over and I said, uh, do you see the guy in the red shirt over there with that table? I said, I want you to bring me their bill. You know, I want to take care of their meal. And she goes, are you sure about that? <laughs> I said, that table over there. She goes, yeah, all three of you want to pay for all three of them? <laughs> and I'm like, Lord, I can't drill through the wood here. <laughs> what, what, what is up with this? <laughs> 
Yes. She goes, all right, I'll go get it. And I mean, there's, you know, you know today's cost in restaurants, there's going to be a cost to, you know, three people eating together. But this was the mindset, just completely freaked out by the whole notion of this. And normally when, when through the years, the Lord's impressed me, it's just like, okay, no problem. I'll take it. You know, bless you for doing that. That's a nice thing to do. Something like that. Not, are you sure you want to do that? <laughs> so she brings it over, lays it down. She goes, well, don't say I didn't tell you. I'm thinking, I'm thinking the devil himself sent this girl <laughs> to mess with me. <laughs> I'm just, just trying to be a blessing. And she just rolled her eyes. And so I said, here, take it. And she walked away shaking her head like that. So I finally got it, and about to leave, we paid our bill, and uh, I'm like, "What, Lord? What, what do you want me to do about this?" He goes, "I, I want you to, I want you to give her a lesson. She's not my server, but I have their ticket, and I left her a tip. And I'm not doing this glorified past. I'm just simply telling you how important it is for you to understand the dynamic of what we're supposed to be in this earth, not the problem. Amen." Not the stingy person, not the greedy person, amen? Not to get all you can, amen, and then sit on the can, but be a blessing. I gave her a tip that was 50% of the total bill, and then I left. But I'm just sowing it as a seed that she'll stop doing that to people. I've <laughs> been... I've been a Christian for a long time and I've never seen a server try to talk me out of paying for somebody else's meal. <laughs> Amen. It's anonymous. They don't know who did it. Um, but the bottom line is that's what we're supposed to be. It's, it's, it's fundamental to pray. It's fundamental. Amen. To read your word, meditate. It's fundamental to give. This is not like fifth grade, 10th grade, postgraduate work in Christianity. It is fundamental. Somewhere along the line, if we don't get this, it's going to stun our growth and limit our success as a believer. Come on, say it with me. I'm a giver. I'm a tither. I'm blessed going in and I'm blessed going out. Amen. Do you know that she got a better tip than our server got? That didn't cross my mind until after I left. But I had this image of these two getting together. Come <laughs> on, say it. It's fundamental. To pray. To read the word. To serve. To give. Number five, every believer should share their faith. Tell people your story. Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel. When do you preach the gospel? When you tell people what God did for you through your relationship with Christ. Everybody should be doing that. The modern church has to have a special soul winning class, has to have a special emphasis, has to have a special soul winning job. It should be as natural as breathing for you to share your faith with somebody else. Amen. It's fundamental. It's not rocket science. Amen. Brother Osteen's testimony, 
I was a high school dropout signing, you know, <laughs> I was I was at a high school dropout making popcorn and selling it at the ISIS theater. Amen. He was lost and undone without God. How did I know that? Because I heard it a thousand times. You have a story. Amen. I don't know how honorary you were, Gary, before you got saved, but there's a story there. Amen. How honorary were the rest of you? I know how honorary you were. Amen. Thank God we're born again. Hallelujah. You have a story. Speaking of stories, Charlie had a, a massive growth in his head. Should have taken him out. He shouldn't be sitting here today. But God. Amen. 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 And some of you didn't have a mass in your head, but you've had so serious wounds emotionally that would take anybody out. But guess what? You're still here. Amen. You're still serving God. You've been slicing and dicing, and cutting great and left to die, and yet you're still believing and walking with God. You don't think other people need to hear that? Nobody wants to hear my story. Yeah, they do. My mom should have been a statistic. Born the oldest of four girls, an alcoholic, you know, womanizer, abuser. Statistically, none of them should have made it. But I do know this. I know that, that her sister Ruthie and Ginger and Peggy all died in the faith, even though no faith was demonstrated for them in that home. Amen. And mom, she's going to outdo Methuselah. <laughs> You've got a story. Come on, say it. I have a story. Say, I have a story. Next, every believer should love. Matthew 22, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and love your neighbor as your? As what? What does that mean? It means love. It means do good to people, even if they hurt you. It means bless them with your mouth, even when they say other things about you. Don't you just want to give somebody back a taste of medicine when they come at you? When you hear somebody say something ugly about you, don't you just want to raise up, you know, and try to defend yourself? Amen? How I many of you we've all been through it? Right? There's a commercial on, I can't remember what it is, I think it's for some kind of medicine today, and it says, uh, you are someone's favorite person. So take care of yourself. Some of you are thinking, who is that? Who's my <laughs> who says that I'm their favorite person? Well, I pray that you have somebody. If you don't, you have Jesus. Amen? But I could automatically think of some people that would say, he's not my favorite person. Because you've been through some things. Amen. Oh, did I mention this is fundamental? To forgive as you've been forgiven? And how many thousands of Christians today all across this community have problems letting somebody else go that God let you go when you sinned against him? Amen. I'm just minding my own business, Todd. I'm driving down Chestnut, probably coming back from Starbucks. I don't know. I'm going by the cemetery there. And all of a sudden, the two or three faces come to my mind. Two or three people that are not my favorites. Two to three people that, you know, cause me some issues or some problems. And so I'm like starting to go down memory lane. You ever done it before? Do you know there's no peace down that memory lane? No, there's not. 
There's no joy down that memory lane. There's no victory down that memory lane. And I was just about to come to the stoplight there at uh, 4th Street and Chestnut, and I hear just plain as day the Holy Ghost say, whenever someone like that comes to your mind, stop immediately and bless them. How I many you know, you know, you know, you know, you know when God has said something like that yeah. profound to you? And so I began to practice it. Now I have fun doing it. I find myself blessing a lot. <laughs> I mean, some days this could go on for hours. And bless Johnny and Freddie and Gertrude. Let me get my list out. But he made it easy. He said when they come to mind. Right? right? Bless them. Come on, say, say bless them. Bless Pray, them. For them. Pray for them. Love them. Love them. Do good to them. Good to That's them. what it means to love. And we ought to have this down by now. Yeah. Amen. Amen. How many is that? <laughs> you count like I do. <laughs> That's number six. I have seven. Amen. Seven is actually attend. Every believer should attend. Uh, you can relax because you're here. <laughs> Say it, I'm here. Amen. Hebrews is plain, forsake not the assembly of yourselves together as is the manner of some. I'm going to just read this scripture to you. As we begin to wind this down, say it with me, attending is foundational. It's like uh, some of you are old enough to remember romper room. Going to church is romper room in the kingdom of God. It is not an advanced degree in astrophysics. It's foundational. It's what Christians do. Baseball players run and catch and throw and hit. Christians go to church. Yes. Amen. I'll take more enthusiastic amens than that. Amen. They go to church. Amen. What do they do? Go to church. They go to church. We came by this honestly. Look at the book of Acts real quickly. Acts chapter 5, verse 12, the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. What did they used to do? Meet together. Meet together. Anybody know how often they met? <laughs> how often? Daily. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds, and that's so that if Peter's shadow might fall on some of them it, as he passed by. Why would they do that? Because people were getting healed. Right. The word had gotten out. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing 
They're sick and those tormented by evil spirits, and all of them were healed. Notice back up here in the early verse, and all the believers used to meet. How many? All. How many? If you were a believer, where were you when they met during that season, Solomon's Colonnade? They were there together. That's what it means to walk by faith, to hear to believe, to say, to do, to do the foundations. Say it with me. It's romper room. It's elementary. It's ABCs. And one, two, three. It's not rocket science. And yet, when you see right now, America becoming more and more post-Christian, it tells you that the fundamentals are not being kept. Amen. How many of you let the Holy Ghost search your heart and see how you're doing on all seven of these? And whatever his word says in addition to that. Amen. What's the first one? Pray. What's the second one? Read. What's the third one? Serve. What's the fourth one? What's the fifth one? What is it? What's the sixth? What's the seventh? A tenth. Well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a special case. I, I, God doesn't expect me to attend. I'm, I'm special. No, you're not special. You're just disobedient. Amen. Amen. We need to hear the word today straighter than it's ever been before. Amen. You need it, but you also are needed so that you can impact and impart to other people as well. Amen. Um, these are just the foundations. When people won't pray and won't read, they won't give, they won't love, they won't serve, they won't attend, the likelihood of them receiving and acting on a dictate of God is slim to none. And there you have the problem in the body of Christ. Amen. Look at somebody and say, if you want to make a change, make a change. Come on, stand your feet and give him a hand clap and bless him today.